Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 92 of the Sco Show. My name is Mark Schofield. Happy to be back in the big chair for today, April 2nd, Thursday, 2020. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you're all getting by. I know these are strange times. I know that days are weird. Days are nights. Nights are days. Nobody's probably sleeping very well. At least I'm not. But we're getting through it day by day. And look, if you've made it to this point, then fantastic. Maybe you're not wearing the hard pants. These days don't call for hard pants. You're probably still wearing the soft pants, and that's okay. Look, we're all getting graded on a pretty generous curve these days. And so the fact that you're here, you're socially distancing yourself, you're taking care of business any way you can, give yourself a pat on the back. It's a W for you. We take the W's any way we can get them these days. Today, however, is a massive day here at the Sco Show. Why? It's quarterback day. First half of the show, my top 11 quarterbacks in a vacuum. Probably you may have seen this on the touchdown wire. If not, now you'll read it afterwards. If you have, well, fantastic. We're going to talk about top 11 quarterbacks in a vacuum. Then I'm going to try in the second half of the show to build a Patriots quarterback board. Not the vacuum, not the generic, but a Patriots-specific board. How I would think Bill Belichick... Josh McDaniels and company might stack these quarterbacks. And it is sure to be completely and utterly wrong. Because I'm sure that a guy that I probably have ranked 10th is a guy that they'll probably draft in the third round. But we're going to try. Together. Before we do that, usual reminders. Follow along the hijinks on Twitter. And there are hijinks as always to be found at Mark Schofield. Check out the work inside the pylon. Pro Football Weekly. Matt Waldman's rookie scouting portfolio. Which, by the way, just dropped... On Wednesday. Check that out. The three SB Nation websites. Big Blue View. Bleeding Green Nation. And of course Pat's Pulpit. Where I'll be doing some quarterback stuff in short order. And yes, USA Today. Touchdown Wire. Check it out. We are rolling through our draft coverage. We've got a latest mock draft. We've got top 11 quarterbacks from me. You're going to get top 11 receivers. Top 11 tight ends from me. You're going to get top 11 interior defensive linemen for me, top 11 linebackers. Doug Farrar and I are going to be crushing some pre-draft coverage for you, so please make sure you check out that stuff as well. Also, follow the Touchdown Wire account on the old Twitter machine because, let's put it this way, it needs some more followers. It is on Twitter, at the NFL Wire, and I know for a fact Some of you listening to this show have more followers on Twitter. Not that you guys don't deserve those followers. You certainly do. You've earned them. You've done a good job. Be proud of those followers. But Touchdown Wire needs some followers too, so give it a follow on the Twitter machine at the NFL Wire. Let's talk quarterbacks. Let's talk short of the generic top 11. And it's probably what you expected at the top. Joe Burrow, with good reason. He's a stud. He's an animal, and he is every bit the part of an NFL franchise quarterback. And I don't think that there's anything left to be said about this kid. He has the pocket movement. He has the accuracy. He has the competitive toughness that you want at the position. And what really sort of stands out in this class is how Burrow does the little things. If you remember back to last year when I was at 
Locked on Patriots. When I was just throwing myself atop Brett Rippon Hill. My case for Rippon was that he's mastered the little things. That's Joe Burrow. The subtlety, the shoulder fakes, the manipulation with his eyes, even when he doesn't need to do it. He's got it all. Does he have the best arm in this class? No. Is he the most athletic quarterback in this class? Absolutely not. Is he the guy that if I had to bet on being an NFL star, I would place my bet on? Absolutely. So Burrow's one. Tua is two. And... Obviously, the biggest part of the question with Tua is the health, is the hip. And that's something that I can't answer as much as lawyers like myself like to think that we were doctors. We're really not. Nowhere close. So that's a huge question. And how does he answer that in this climate? I don't know. What's interesting for Tua, and I had to do a comparison, a comp, and I hate doing comps, but I had to do a comp for each of these guys. And Tua... You know, I think there's a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo to him. The quick, tight, compact release. Ball comes out quick. But the guy that he has to fight is the Baker Mayfield side of him. The side of him that sometimes wants to seek out chaos. The side of him that wants to fight longer into a play than he should. And I think... If he fights, if he tamps down the Baker side and taps into more of the Garoppolo side, I think he'll be a better quarterback in the long run. I think he needs to be sort of in a heavy play action, RPO heavy type of offense. And I think if he finds that system, he'll be okay. Number three, Justin Herbert. Andy Likens in the Scotia Slack channel, which you could be a member of. Hit me up on Twitter, at Mark Schofield, for an invite. Termed it best where... The questions around Herbert might ultimately come down to what's between the ears. You know, the mental side, the leadership side, those are the questions that Justin Herbert's faces as he looks ahead to a life as an NFL quarterback. I think as far as arm talent goes, he checks the box. More than checks the box. One of the better arms in this class. Maybe not the best in terms of arm strength and velocity, but in terms of arm talent... Some of the throws he makes are better than guys that are ranked above him, guys that are ranked below him, but are considered to have better arms. I, I've talked about the throw he made uh, ad nauseum at this point on a back shoulder throw from 2018 that was about 45 yards downfield. Those are plays that stick with me. And so Justin Herbert checks a lot of boxes. He's going to have to satisfy teams from a leadership standpoint. But I will tell you, there is legitimacy to the idea that Herbert comes off the board before Tua. I will tell you that I have been told that by a couple of different avenues. By a couple of different teams. And so, would it surprise me if Herbert goes second in terms of the quarterbacks? No. Do I expect it? I don't, but it wouldn't surprise me. And this was all stuff I was told before March of 2020 when the world changed. And so these concerns about Tua combined with how people feel about Herbert and how he did at the Senior Bowl were in play before COVID-19 sort of upended everything. So keep that in mind. 
Up next, QB4 for me, it ended up being Jordan Love. And I really sort of went back and forth on Love and Eason. And there's still a part of me that might, dependent on the fit, lean in Eason's direction. But I think both of these guys need some time. Both of these guys have great arms. I think Love's a bit more athletic. I think the league is going to talk themselves into Love before they talk themselves into Eason because of the Josh Allen factor, because of the fact that, look, you know, Josh Allen, Mountain West quarterback, big arm, athleticism. He can make it work in the NFL. We can make this work with Jordan Love. Whereas Eason, I think the NFL will like some of what he does, but the situational awareness and the decision-making, there are going to be huge question marks that he's going to have to answer. I know that sounds weird when we're also talking about a quarterback in Jordan Love that threw 17 interceptions a year ago and should have perhaps thrown more. But I think Love has a better, fuller body of work. That brings us to QB6. And in a bit of a surprise to me, I ended up with my grade in and thinking about everything. With Jalen Hurts at 6. And it's a bit of a stunner him over Jake Fromm because Fromm is typically the guy that was Brett Rippett, the guy that I liked, the guy that does the little things and plays the position the right way and goes through and checks all the boxes on the recipe. But there's something about Jalen Hurts that I keep coming back to as the quintessential modern quarterback. And, you know, he has a lot of work to do mechanically. He has to speed up his decision-making I mean, if you want a stat to know, and I did this for all 11 of these quarterbacks, a stat to know, 3.08 seconds. That was Jalen Hurts' time from snap to release last season, which was ranked 103rd among collegiate passers, according to Pro Football Focus. By comparison, the slowest snap to release in the NFL last year was Kirk Cousins with a time of 3.01 seconds. Like, that's not great. Now, part of it with Hurts might be that, yes, he's creating with his legs, a lot of scramble drill situation stuff. And so he's in a situation where, you know, that number will artificially get boosted because he's doing the things that he does. He's playing the game the way he does. But I think that there's more to him than that. There's more potential with Hurts that he's being given credit for. And really what set this idea in motion in my head was the senior bowl. Seeing him down there, seeing the mechanics get tightened up, seeing things get sped up in his mind, seeing him run some NFL-type concepts and running them well, I'm starting to become a believer in Jalen Hurts. Now, Jake Fromm, I still think there will be teams that love him and there will be teams that hate him. And as we'll see in the second half of the show, I'd bet on perhaps the Patriots being one of those teams that loves him. Partly because he has the floor that he does, which is, you know, you look at, say, all these top 11 guys, the best floor might be Burrow and then Fromm. Now, out of all these top 11 guys, the highest ceilings and then the lowest ceilings, Fromm's in the latter category. Like, I don't think he has a high ceiling at all. Like, his floor and his ceiling might be, like, inches apart on whatever kind of scale you want to use. Whereas a boom-bust player like San Eason or Love, 
you know, if Easton hits his ceiling or if Love hits his ceiling, like you might be talking about guys that, you know, change the league. You also might be talking about a guy that's out of the league in a couple of years. And so Fromm's got that sort of narrow room for error, like that narrow error band. And a guy with a high floor is going to be attractive to teams and to risk-averse decision-makers. And I do think that in some offenses, like West Coast, you know, influenced offenses, like New England's, it's an Arndt Perkins system in the nomenclature, but there's a lot of West Coast stuff that they do that will work. The hand size might scare off the Patriots, and I'll, I'll obviously talk about it more in a second, but they might be concerned about sub-9-inch hands in a December in Foxborough. But I think a team like Indianapolis, they might not be scared off by that. I think he'd be a perfect fit behind Philip Rivers for a season or two. Then we get to the fun part of this draft class for me. That bottom four in this top 11. So you've got 11, 10, 9, and 8. At 8 is Anthony Gordon. I've talked about him a ton on this show. Huge fan of him. I do think that any of these next four guys, if we're talking like the day three developmental type for a team, these are the guys that I would look to first. So there's Anthony Gordon. And I'm going to start using some comps to highlight how I feel about these last four guys. And a comp for Anthony Gordon, I think, is Jared Goff. And I know that might sound crazy. We're talking about a guy that's a day three pick against a guy that went first overall. But I think if you watch Goff, with where he sort of is, that's where Anthony Gordon could potentially go if he develops right. Obviously, kids coming out of sort of air raid systems, lanky, thinner, California kids, handle pressure similarly unwell, shall we say. I think they have similar arms. I think Goff has a bit of a better arm, but I think the prototype, the model the aspirational goal for Anthony Gordon in the NFL is to be Jared Goff, a guy that has, needs some help around him, some help schematically, but he can be a team, a part of a team that wins games with him, not because of him. Now, maybe that begs the question, why does a guy like that go first overall? And well, the 2016 draft class was a weird one, kids. It was a weird one. Up next, the one and only Cole McDonald. And it's time for my favorite comp of this entire group of 11. And in years past, I have been known to use characters from film for comparison. With Josh Allen, for example, it was Nuke Lulu slash Happy Gilmore. You know, he had a million dollar arm, 10 cent head. Needed to learn to throw a curveball. Needed to learn how to putt. Needed to learn how to throw with a touch. And Cole McDonald gives me the chance to make another movie character comparison. Now, Cole McDonald, maybe it's the fact he was playing at Hawaii, maybe it's the dreads, maybe it's the mentality, whatever. He does it his own way. He'll push the envelope. He will look at a crossing route wide open on third and one and say, nah, I've got the whole shot deep down the sideline. I don't care that we're losing. I don't care that this is a minute left. I don't care that this is a bowl game. If you give me the whole shot, I'm going to take it. I'm going to push envelopes. That's what we do in this counter-based offense. And so the comparison, if you haven't figured it out by now, for Cole McDonald, is Captain Pete Mitchell. Call sign Maverick. That's right. Maverick from Top Gun. He's got an ego 
that his, you know, his ego is writing checks that sometimes his body can't cash. He will do some things that are audacious. He will take risks with a $50 million plane. That's Cole McDonald. It might not be for everybody, but I can bet that it's for one team out there at least. And he's got some messy mechanics, some sloppy footwork. Again, he's not for everybody. He does it his own way. But sometimes it works and it works beautifully. Sometimes it fails spectacularly. Next quarterback in this group, quarterback 10, is the complete opposite of Cole McDonald. And that's Nate Stanley from Iowa. And he's certainly fallen under the radar. He certainly doesn't move needles when it comes to his athleticism. He's more of that prototypical battleship at quarterback, a guy that, you know, moves rather slowly. You know, he's not going to keep that backside defensive end honest if they show zone read. You know, he's not going to outrun defenders. He, he will get you what he can with his legs, so more likely to stay and fight in the pocket. But he has an NFL arm. Doesn't have NFL completion percentage numbers. And I do think that there's a better quarterback inside of him waiting to be pulled out. I know Tony Rakopi is working on that with him. But he also comes from a system that is like pro-ready as it gets. Like what he's doing at Iowa, he will step into most offenses in the NFL and be ready. I think the arm is going to be a much better weapon for him in the NFL. I think they'll sort of take the gloves off with it a bit and let him unleash that arm a little bit more because I think there's an NFL arm there. I compared him to Connor Cook and this probably means nothing to most of you. But in that strange 2016 draft class when Jared Goff was going first and Carson Wentz was going second and people were loving Paxton Lynch and some people had him quarterback one, my QB for that year was Connor Cook. I was a huge Connor Cook fan. I thought he was that guy that could stand in the pocket and throw an out route on third and seven to move the sticks, which you need in the National Football League. And maybe there's still a home for that guy in the NFL. And if there is, a team's going to like what they see. And finally, to round out the top 11, is Tyler Huntley from Utah. And he didn't get a combine invite. Not on a ton of radars. But we've kind of zigged and zagged through these last three guys here. Now we zig again because he is certainly not a pocket quarterback. He is not your prototypical drop-back passer. My comp for him is P.J. Walker from the XFL. But with the way the game is trended, with the direction the game is moving schematically... I think Tyler Huntley has an NFL future. And you could see him getting a shot to stick on a roster in two very different ways. One, if you're a team that has an athletic quarterback, he could be your backup. Like if you think of how the Ravens sort of structure RG3 behind Lamar Jackson, like guys like that. If you're the Arizona Cardinals and you want a backup for for Kyler Murray, Tyler Huntley could be that guy. You Conversely, you could see him stick on a roster because you know you're playing Kyler Murray three times a year. You know, 
twice and maybe in the playoffs. Or you're playing Lamar Jackson twice and maybe in the playoffs. Or you're on a schedule where you see both of those guys. Or some of these other mobile quarterbacks. Maybe you're the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, you're drafting Joe Burrow, but you have to play Baker and Lamar twice. Who's going to give you a better looking practice? You know, if you're Cincinnati. Andy Dalton? Remember the stories of him pretending to be Lamar Jackson in practice? Or a guy like Tyler Huntley. And so you could see him sticking on a roster because of what he offers in practice, but then developing the things he needs to get ready to do, timing and rhythm for his anticipation, and turning this into a career as a backup and then potentially a starter. And so if I'm a team sort of later on day three that either has a mobile quarterback or plays mobile quarterbacks, I'm looking at Tyler Huntley. I'm not looking at other guys, like some of the other guys like the Jake Luttons and the Morgans of the world, some of these other guys that are getting some buzz. I'm going with Tyler Huntley. And so that's my sort of in a vacuum, generic, top 11 quarterback ranking system. Up next, though, I'm going to tweak it a bit. We're going to talk about how I think the Patriots might rank the quarterbacks given what we know they sort of value at the position. That's ahead on episode 92 of the Sco Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 91, 92 of the Scotia. We are closing in on the century mark. I'm not going to do the century hour. Not going to do that for show 100. Although, honestly, that's going to be in a couple of weeks at this rate. I might need to, given the quarantine. Although, at some point here, as we get closer to the draft, we're going to have to kick it back up to three shows a week just because we're going to have more stuff to talk about. We'll probably do that. The week before the draft, we'll get to three shows a week. But anyway, back here on show 92, I thought I'd start this way. Uh, before diving into how I think the Patriots might sort of rank their quarterback board. You may have seen this, perhaps not. You probably have seen it because you've been, what else have you been doing? But on Twitter, Daniel Jeremiah at Move the Sticks on the old Twitter machine. He dug up some scouting notes. And he tweeted out, I think you'll enjoy this. We were given this handout during a scout school for my time with the Ravens. Coach Belichick has held, has held true to almost all of this over the years. And he literally tweeted out what they value offensively. Offense paragraph, offensive line, tight ends, running backs, wideouts, quarterback. And here's what it says under the quarterback heading. Number one is to make good decisions. Then arm, size, physically tough, leadership, guys looked up to and have confidence in, a real competitor. Number one is to make good decisions. Going on. Accurate rather than guy with a cannon. Emphasis on our game will be on decision, timing, accuracy. Guy needs to be confident. Intelligence is important, but not as much as field awareness and judgment. Can't be sloppy fundamentally. An unsound guy with ball handling techniques, etc. Footwork, drops, release, etc. QB has to be able to throw the ball with accuracy. Accuracy and good decisions. That's what he wants. Here's how I think the board would stack up as a result of that. I think Burrow is still one. I think Tua is still two. I think Herbert is still three. I think that's how he'd still look at those guys. 
Like you, you want to say, I mean, Burrow checks all the boxes. Good decisions, has the arm, good enough size, very tough, true leader. Guys will look up to. Like he checks everything. I think Tua does it too. A real competitor, Tua goes under the knife to come back for an LSU game. Like I think Tua checks the competitive toughness box as well. And I think Herbert, you might quibble with some of the decision-making stuff, but I don't think it's as bad as some of the other guys in this class, like a Love, like an Eason. And he certainly has the arm, and he certainly has the accuracy downfield. People might look at you know, some advanced metrics on Herbert, for example. That might have you saying, well, he's not really that accurate of a guy. Like if you look at the pro football focus draft guide, they have some pretty good accuracy numbers for all of these quarterbacks, and it's certainly worth a look if you get it, if you take a look at it. And shaky underneath ball placement. 50th in FBS and accuracy percentage on throws one to nine yards downfield. Like So there's an accuracy thing with him and with the way the Patriots structure their offense. A lot of their throws are one to nine yards downfield. So that might be shaky, but I think they'll look at the arm talent, the size, the decision-making for the most part, and think, okay, we know the guy has to be accurate. He's generally accurate. Maybe not the most in this class, which is why he'd be behind the other two guys. But at four, the list veers, I think. At four, I think you would have to consider the fact that given what we just read about how Bill Belichick values the quarterback position, good decisions, then arm, Accurate passer rather than a guy with a cannon. Emphasis on a game will be decision, time, and accuracy. God needs to be confident. Intelligence is important, but not as much as field awareness and judgment. QB has to be able to throw the ball with accuracy. That's Jake Fromm. Out of all the guys in this group, that's Jake Fromm. Like, again, sort of don't take it from me. Pro Football Focus, their draft guide at the quarterback position. Their top four quarterbacks, in case you haven't read it yet, Burrow, Tua, Herbert, Fromm. And say what you want about their grading, say what you want about some of the stuff that they do. They've got NFL people in and around them all the time. Like, I know when I was just first getting into this business and even before then, just as a fan, I was sort of questioning pro football focus. They've got smart, knowledgeable people. You can quibble with some of the grading stuff, some of the stuff they turn around immediately, like getting up grades on players the second a game ends. Like you can't grade wide receivers and quarterbacks off a broadcast tape on the fly. Like you can't do it. So I can quibble with some of the methodology, but their charting data and in some of their analysis, it's well-informed. And here's their bottom line on Jake Fromm. Fromm is a game manager, plain and simple. While you should probably set your sights higher than that, it's also a skill set you can win with in the league. What Fromm does do at an elite level is protect the football. Fromm recorded a turnover-worthy play on just seven of his 445 dropbacks last season. One of the best rates in all of college football. Now they describe his strengths. Accurate and short and intermediate range. Comfortable plugging it into tight windows in the red zone. Creative with ball placement. Throwing receivers open. Handful of very nice back shoulder throws. 
has consistently protected the football ever since his freshman year. 28, just 28 turnover-worthy plays his entire collegiate career. That's pretty impressive. And again, he's not for everybody. I don't, I've, I've said this before. I don't think Bruce Arians has him on his board. But when you remember what the Patriots apparently value at the quarterback position, I think that's Jake Fromm. And I know that that doesn't move the needle for a lot of people. But I think that's the guy that if we sort of get into that sort of late day two, early day three range and they think, well, maybe we should draft somebody just in case. You know, because now we're talking about a situation where it's Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham. I don't think they're going to roll into camp with just two guys. I think Fromm's attractive to them. Next, it continues to get wonky, but Jalen Hurts. And with Hurts more than anything else, I think it comes down to this. Guys look up to and have confidence in a real competitor. Leadership. We know that Jalen Hurts checks that box and checks it in a massive way. That's why I think that Fromm and Hurts are probably higher on their boards than the next two guys, Love and Eason. You know, so you've got Burrow at one, two at two, Herbert at three, Fromm at four, Hurts at five, Love at six, Eason at seven, Gordon at eight, Stanley at nine, and then the two guys I think get on are James Morgan and Jake Lutton. And the two guys I think would come off would be a Tyler Huntley, although we know Belichick sort of likes the idea of a mobile quarterback. And I don't think they'd like Cole McDonald at all. But I think guys like Morgan and Lutton, they sort of might be on their radar. And so when I, having done this exercise, take a step back and look at it, you know, unless a Herbert Foss and them at 23, I think they wait on quarterback until sometime on day two, and you might see a Fromm or a Hurts. And then if it's a day three, you're probably talking a Gordon or a Stanley. Maybe a Morgan. I've been told they like him. Other people have been told they like him. You know, but I think they got to go unless somebody falls into their lap at 23 or maybe falls to like 20 or something and they feel like they can, okay, go get the guy. That's what we're looking at. All within the context of the fact that they like Jared Stidham and that's their plan A. But I don't think they're precluded from drafting a plan B this year. And that if nothing works out, well, then we're talking about a team that's 4-12 and 12, and you can buy your Justin Fields jersey right now. But that's it for today. I will be back with Mock Draft Monday. I believe it's 10.0 on Monday. Send your mocks in. At Mark Schofield on Twitter, you can tag me with the hashtag, hashtag ScoshowMock. Or you can DM them to me. You can email them to me. Mark.Schofield at InsideThePylon.com. All of you in the Scotia Slack channel. Of course, you know where to drop them. Drop them in the Mock Draft channel. You guys do a great job of doing the screenshots. It makes it easy. Until then, friends, keep taking care of yourselves. Take care of those around you. Take care of your loved ones. Be well. Ian McDonald, I owe you an email. I'm going to shoot you an email later tonight. Until then, friends, be well. Take care of each other. And as you wash your hands, sin along. And bless those Patriots reign. Down in Foxborough.